How's it going? How's it going? Good. The way your hair is right now makes it look like you cut your hair short and you have like a high and tight. Oh, uh, I do not. Because it's back on the sides, so you can't tell that it's long, but it's actually a fabulous Jewish grandma bun. It was just clipped. It was just I know. Clipped. I never, I feel like you would have told me if you were going to cut all your hair off. Yeah. Or maybe I would shock you and surprise you. You do love to shock. Hey, do you have something pink in your hair? Oh, a scrunchie, I guess. I forgot I had that scrunchie on. I got a pink velvet scrunchie on. Thank God. Oh. Michael. Oh. My dear co-host, co-parent of Hi, How Are You? Hi, How Are You? Uh, Yeah, I'm fine. I don't know. I'm fine. Whatever. Life is fine. Life is great. I don't know. Now that's good radio. (laughs) Life is just like, it's a lot of mundane. You yeah. Know? How is your house? Mundane and fine. Nice. You know. Yeah. Not falling apart. Well. Just normal levels of falling apart. No, maybe. there's for sure moss growing on the wood that mm-hmm. composes the home. Well, that's just normal. Maybe. Yeah. I guess I don't think the moss itself damages it, but I guess I could see how the moisture retained by the moss could be damaging to the wood. Yeah. It's a nice look, but it's probably not good. But everything's fine. A little coffee, but mm-hmm. otherwise cheerful. My normal cheerful self. Well, thank God for that. Did you post the Skeeter photos? Oh, no, no. I'm going to do that this weekend. So okay. there's going to be Skeeter photos posted. That listener request will finally be answered. Yeah. Should I do it for patrons only? Yeah, I'm going to do it for patrons. Yeah, patrons only. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. How are you, Hava? How are you? today well baruch hashem i am well on wednesday i taught a class and it went really really well i was really nervous for it because it was a really big topic but it went really good there was just like really good wisdom in the room and really good energy in the class and so that was really nice yesterday slash today shoma allah started registration for our next class which is called planting cucumbers by magic What? Which I will link in the description, obviously, so you all can register for it, where our guest teacher, Olivia Devorah Tucker, is going to come back and teach about a Jewish magical loophole regarding cucumber witchery, or at least illustrated by cucumber witchery. Cucumber witchery and loopholes. That's all you need to know. Those are the tags. All right. Well, I do love cucumbers. I know. Cucumbers have come up several times on this show. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I'm good. Otherwise, I was feeling a little unenergized about just my general pursuits in life. And then relatively recently, I had like a really good meeting for a project I'm a part of, and that sort of invigorated me. And I've been on upward vibe spiral since then. So, oh, that's great. I'm a, I, I want to pick up on some of that upward spiral I feel like a, just a regular spiral like um like a cinnamon <laughs> sticky bun spiral you know not okay, going but up that's pretty good it's good but it's not going up it's just right you know? what is there an edible spiral that's going up edible spirals that go up uh, i guess like a wedding cake if you squint uh like a noodle like with one of those curly noodles yeah but that could be going either way Oh, uh, yeah, that's that's true. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's beautiful weather out. <clears throat> Hopefully, after we record this podcast, my boyfriend and I will get some food from out from somewhere for our pre-Shabbos treat. So, you know, it's good. It's good. Getting caught up in all kinds of new video games all the time like I do. You know, 
my usual, but in a good way. I need a new video game. I, I miss point-and-click adventure games. Oh, I've heard of a couple of those coming out. You should look into... It's like a point-and-click mystery called Overboard that I've heard really good things about. Overboard, okay. Yeah, basically the premise is like you are on a cruise ship or whatever, and you are trying to like get away with murder. Like you're trying to like murder your husband or something. And it's like repeating cycles, like someone can catch you. And so you have to learn everyone's different movements so that you can like throw everyone off and commit the perfect crime, which is how you win the game. Okay, that's neat. I'm into it. Yeah, and it's point and clicky. So that made me think of your criteria. Anyway... Let's talk about the Talmud. Yeah, yeah. The original point-and-click adventure. Um, yeah. Okay, so... We have a question. Yes, today we are going to be semi-answering this sort of two-part question from a dear listener. This is short and sweet, and here is the text of the question. My nine-year-old non-binary child who loves your show wants to know two things. Why do we daven and say brachot, and why do all the rabbis seem gay? Um... Why do we daven and say brachot, and why do all the rabbis seem gay? Yeah, it's a multifarious question. We're obviously going to have to pick and choose because there's a lot of ways we could tackle this. When they say, when this child, this beautiful child says, why do all the rabbis seem gay? Are they talking about just rabbis in, in general or rabbis that we talk about on the show? Oh, I never even conceived of the possibility that the question was about rabbis in our time. (laughs) Like, why do all the rabbis I encounter seem gay? Like, that's more of a personal situation. That's why I want to know, like, how old the child is. If they're two, I'm assuming it's just like... They're nine, it says in the question. Oh, it says they're nine. I don't don't pay attention to children. I don't care about them at all. It was me speaking. (laughs) Exactly. My point. My God, you bitch. Okay, they're nine. So, uh, okay, child... We need you to clarify your question, please. Are you talking about the rabbis you encounter in the world? Well, I think somewhat the answer is the same in that if the rabbis we encounter in the world seem gay and if the rabbis we encounter in the Talmud seem gay, it's because they are a reflection of the gayness in ourselves, you know? Yeah. Also, like in the Talmud, I think the answer is partially like the rabbis were like pretty much only hanging out with other guys 24 hours a day they were just bros hanging out with bros you know 20 24 23 hours a day hanging out in a cramped space it's like if you get all that tinder together you know it only takes a little bit of spark to start a fire yes yes i agree i agree with that and i think there's a generalization of what you're saying which is one lens through which you can view all of history is that almost everything is gay when it's trying Mm -hmm. hard not to be gay it ends up being gay that's gay Right. There's understated gay, overstated gay, self-hating gay. Right. Self-loving gay. Self-loving gay. A very rare creature. It's just one of those lenses that once you kind of see it, it's kind of hard. see it. Yeah. It's like a magic eye. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Marxist lens, you know? It's like you're 18 or 19 and you're like, oh, shit. It's all all material conditions all all the way down. It's all material conditions all the way down. And then, you know. I think this right. nine-year-old is just ahead of the curve. And like for me, I was like, everything's gay. I kind of got it at around maybe 21. Right. The nine-year-old is just like, why is everything gay? And the answer is it's just part of the DNA of the universe. And just rabbis right. happen to be part of the DNA the universe of the universe. Is gay. Well, that's great. And that's one part of the question. But what I chose to focus on today is why do we say brachot, which is a question we've discussed several times here on the pod. But I decided to try to focus on a new 
angle. But anyway, we're hanging out on Bracha 35b. And here's what we read. Rabbi Hanina Bar Papa said, Anyone who gets something good from this world without a blessing, it is as if they stole it from the Holy One, blessed be they, and the community of all Israel. And it is stated, Whoever robs his father and his mother and says, This is no transgression, he is the companion of the destroyer, which is from Proverbs 28.24. His father refers to none other than the Holy One, blessed be they. As it is stated, is it not your father who created you from Deuteronomy 32.6? And his mother refers to none other than the community of all Israel. As it is stated, hear, my son, the discipline of your father and do not forsake the Torah of your mother, which is from Proverbs 1.8. So to summarize, to recapitulate. Thank you. Rabbi Hanina Bar Papa says, whoever gets something good out of the world without a blessing is like someone who stole from their parents, which are God and the community of Israel because of these Torah verses that refer to or seem to refer to God as a father and Knesset Israel, the community of Israel, as a mother. Okay. <laughs> you uh, look perplexed, and I'm perplexed why you're perplexed. I don't I don't like it. I don't know. Just seems kind of Say more. Ugh. Oh, oh, I just want something light. I just want a nice, light, airy mm, lemon mousse right now. And then you just <laughs> came and... You don't want to have to deal with the issues of power dynamics about eating things without brachas? Yeah, kind of. I just want some lemon mousse and... Well, sometimes <sighs> what you need to get into an upward spiral is to have something a little more meaty. Put some meat on those bones, intellectually speaking. Well, okay, so you're going to tell this child, this growing mind, that the reason that we do blessings is because if we don't, it's like we're stealing things from our You are parents? making it seem as if I have made this up as an attack on this child. I'm just reporting what's on the page. Surely you couldn't uh, have found anything, anything better for this child? I'm curious if you can explain to me why you find this so objectionable. I thought you were going to go in the direction of like, oh, the reason that we do blessings is because they're for ourselves and they're not really for God. And they're well, like, well, we've taken that tack several times on this episode already. I thought we were and just going to rehash it. it. Okay, fine, fine, fine. We're you're sick of it. Fine. All right, kid. Listen. <laughs> no, be nice. Be okay, nice. All right. All right, dear and wonderful listener. Dear wonderful listener. One reason that the Talmud suggests that we might say blessings is because in some sense everything in the universe it seems is perhaps owned by God and the bracha is sort of the price we pay or the exchange we make in order to benefit from those things. Yes, yes. Well, I wouldn't call it a price. Yes, I can see how you can see it as a price or an exchange. It could also just be a way of reminding yourself of, like, you know, the omnipresence of God and shit and the interconnectedness mm -hmm. of everything and, you know, a little bit of reminding yourself of how small and meaningless you are. <laughs> well, it's also, it's, there's, 
two interesting things here that I wanted to explore a little bit. One of which is just, it's interesting the phrase that the person who takes something without a blessing is like someone who stole. In other words, they are exactly not someone who stole. They just have the vibe of someone who stole. Okay, yeah. Okay. Which is an interesting distinction. And then also the fact that this is all reduced down to like family dynamics. Like it's specifically comparing it to a case of stealing from your parents. And like that is the comparable case. And Mm -hmm. I'm just very intrigued in general by divinity as parent. That's like a very interesting vibe. And honestly, like in my experience, something that Judaism dwells on a lot less than Christianity. Yeah. Um, I guess because Christianity's God structure is like inherently familial, right? There's yeah, like a yeah. father and a son there. Well, I mean, maybe more explicitly. I, I think it's all very, uh, it's all very. Uh, if you say Oedipal, I'll reach through the screen and punch I, you. I was looking for the right word. I, it's, it, I think there's, a, <laughs> there's, there's definitely a, some um, Papa God mm-hmm. a little bit. It's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think though you're right though. It is interesting that it's hard for us to conceive of like us and God not in some sort of relationship that's analogous to the child. Right. And because we all have so much trauma with our parents. Yeah, yeah. That is usually experienced as a pretty negative way to experience divinity. If you are out there and able to easily experience it as a positive metaphor for God, then like, I'm very happy for you. Yeah, we need to like change the metaphor up. We need to compare God to like the kid in middle school a couple years older than us who like taught us about like (laughs) weed and stuff right i also brought this really long quote from a really wonderful book to complicate this idea of god as parent so the book is called the obligated self maternal subjectivity and jewish thought by mara h benjamin excellent book if you're into reading academic jewish books you should absolutely pick this one up Anyway, here's this long-ass quote that I think is really interesting. As Hans Jonas puts it, the relation of God to the world from the moment of creation and certainly from the creation of man on involves suffering on the part of God. Jonas rightly concludes, from the very concept of power, it follows that omnipotence is a self-contradictory, self-destructive, and indeed senseless concept. The God of Torah and Mishnah suffers in many of the same ways as humans, materially and otherwise. God can be humiliated by Israel— God is desecrated when humans engage in wanton violence or mistreat their fellows. God, as the Midrashic tradition teaches, suffers in exile when the temple is destroyed and the people of Israel are exiled. God's love for Israel leaves him open to suffering. This vulnerability is the price of responsibility and involvement. God's capacity for being affected by Israel parallels the vulnerability parents face when they have children. This vulnerability does not negate the sense that one party has, quote, more power than the other but it complicates our conception of what greater power truly means. It limits the possibility of reading power outside its relational context. Regarding God in these terms interrupts the fantasy of God's unbridled power. So, the thing is that parent-child relationships are relationships of asymmetrical, but ultimately mutual vulnerability. And our sukya even points to that in a little bit by even implying the fact that one could steal from God, right? If we were living in an omnipotent, a truly omnipotent situation, you might think that that is impossible. Yep. 
Yep. And so there's a way in which it's not about like paying God for whatever goods we're taking, but it's about like hurting God's feelings, maybe. This reminds me also of like God as like also the husband wife or you mm-hmm. know partner yes, relationship. Very related. I think there's something here about covenant and like you make some sort of commitment to each other mm-hmm. in a certain time and place and then you hold to it and it, it makes you both vulnerable to yeah. the terms of the covenant this reminds me for some reason of i i almost gave a, like a wedding speech once i think i think it would have like brought the party way down i was gonna say something along the lines of like the reason why we celebrate these people getting married and we mark it is because it's like really hard and difficult. Because if it weren't hard and difficult, we wouldn't celebrate it. It wouldn't be like a meaningful marker. Right, right. I mean, it also feels related to something you have heard me often say. I don't know if I've said on the pod before, but one of my sort of basic existential tenets is like, if human beings can't make genuine agreements with each other and keep them, then like, I don't know what we're doing in this universe and that principle feels like at play here with god like it is fundamental to the concept of relationship and shared reality that we have to be able to like take care of one another in some sense and the mara benjamin quote plus the sugya feel to me like they're implying like brachot are part of the way we can take care of god whatever that means for us oh that's right god is also the baby is the thing God is the baby and the dad and the mom. We all exist in sort of a rotating set of archetypes in relation to God. But yeah, maybe brachot aren't a fine we pay in order to eat an apple, but instead are a way we make sure the person who created the apple feels cared for and appreciated. Yes, the undescribable, uncategorizable thing that we're choosing to call a person. That made the app right right now. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Well, that's nice. That's nice. Isn't it nice? Isn't it lovely how I steered you through that journey? I always had that Mara Benjamin quote that I was waiting to smack you with. Yeah, no, it was good. It, It definitely cheered me up a little bit. Good. I'm glad. It was fun knowing that I was gonna complicate the reading of this again, but you didn't know. Mm hmm. Cool. Wow. Yeah. Well, dear beloved listener, both parent and child. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you both got something out of it. All you other listeners, go check out the registration for Planting Cucumbers by Magic. And if you want to get twice the chai, how are you? Join our Patreon. Email us your questions. Send them into the Talmud hotline. And yeah, I don't know. Let's all keep hanging out. Shavuot yeah. Tov. Shavuot Tov. <laughs> <laughs>